Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com I love Christmas, and I especially love Christmas traditions. The presents, the stockings, my mom cooking her amazing Christmas Eve dinner. Bo resenting the hell out of my mom's amazing Christmas Eve dinner, and me giving my kids all the Christmas bells and whistles I never had. But in the midst of all the festivities, I never want my kids to forget the true meaning of Christmas and the man this day is really about. Santa. Santa was the first white man I ever loved, followed by a close second, Terry Bradshaw. But back to Santa. I love Santa so much because I never got to believe in him as a kid. Look who Santa brought me, Daddy. Uh Uh-uh. You better get out of here with that. That was from me and your daddy. (laughs) You think some fat white man showed up on Jesus' birthday and gave you those full-price socks? (laughs) I don't think so. But no matter how hard they tried or didn't try at all, no parent can ever beat Santa because Santa is Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And at the Stevens and Lido Christmas party, Santa is, and always has been, Fred Garner. 364 days a year, Fred is a low-level account manager with a high-level meat intake. But one day a year, Fred becomes a hero to every child at the party because he's Santa. And Santa's the man. So we're on for Tuesday. Hey, hey, what do you think, Fred? But not that man. Because he's dead. I mean, who'd be a better Santa than me? I mean, I'm fun, I love kids, and everybody at work is like family to me. Hey, how's everybody taking Fred's death? How am I supposed to know? Focus, all right? First of all, Christmas is about Jesus, not Santa. And second, leave Santa to the white folks. Let's get a black James Bond first. 
Idris Elba, Hennessy, shaken, not stirred. Ooh, <laughs> calm down, all right? Look, Stevens and Lido needs a black Santa. I mean, everybody at the office invites an adoptive family to the party. Like, for most of these kids, the only Santa they've ever known has been some random white guy. This is my opportunity to show these kids that Santa can look like them. Mm-hmm. How can Santa look like a kid? Santa looks like Santa. Uh, of course, baby. Santa looks just like Santa. Yep, because there's only one Santa. Mm -hmm. But Daddy wants to be one of Santa's helpers. Sure. Isn't that nice? But we'll still get our presents from the real Santa, right? The white one? Yeah. Now, now, at some point, every context of white supremacy gusty renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy i feel like today is maybe the one time maybe next week too uh but one of the few times where it is not as important uh people know what a huge day uh all the celebrating december 25th 2018 so I have been told pagan rituals have taken over the world. The madness is uh, zany. One thing that I can say, Gus T. Renegade, hopefully here to share constructive information uh, for a special broadcast with the horror days. Uh, one thing that I can say with the madness, with the flooding and having me be back in the downtown area of a major city and being in the the chaos of uh, how they invest so much time and energy in the holidays that has been for two consecutive years now. Like, wow. Um, just seeing how much madness white saying that they don't have time and energy for this. They don't have time and energy uh, for that, but wow, we can burn up some lights and candles and decorations and they got to get city workers to come out and hang all this nonsense. Woo. The madness of white Christmas. Anyway, the audio segment that played at the beginning of the broadcast that was um, blackish. I don't watch the show. That's why it took me. Uh, I played that audio segment. We were on 2014. Pamela Evans Harris. The late. She was on uh, on December 25, 2014. And I played that audio segment at the beginning. Uh, I think that episode of Blackish had just come on a few days before, but uh, I was going back and listening. I was going to get uh, Pam saying something just about the way we use our time and energy around uh, this madness. But we really didn't talk a whole lot about the holidays uh, on that broadcast. We were talking about a lot of other uh, things related to racism, white supremacy, just the business at hand, uh, which is you know something we have tried to continue here at the Cows for 10 years, uh, the broadcast today, inviting some of our international participants to share a view. Uh, I did think it would be interesting, or I guess actually to be completely truthful, I said last month the flood disrupted lots of things uh, with the scheduling this year. Uh, we got the Global Sunday talk on racism back November. We were broadcasting. I had said, you know, let's be back to the normal slot for this program, uh, which is uh, the third Sunday of every month, which would have been the 16th for this month. I said, let's do it then. Mary, one of our listeners in London, she said, you know, hey, maybe the 25th, I would have time and be able to participate then. And uh, 
I said, hey, we will see if others would be interested in joining us for the 25th. Uh, I said I was going to go ahead and try for the 16th just because, you know, I wanted to get back on the normal schedule so that everybody get in the routine of third Sunday, bam, global, uh, global Sunday talk. But, you know, doing it on the 25th, if people have time off and would be interested in joining in, I said, hey, we can give it uh, a whirl if you all are, are so interested. Uh, and uh, several folks said, hey, they would they would be down to join in. So uh, we'll get some of our international uh, participants uh, on the line with us. Give me one second here. And I will add them on the line. I guess you might hear a ring or whatever it is as we're adding folks forgive. Let's see, make sure I did not miss anyone. Okay. I'm going to add folks to the line. Normal procedure if you're listening stateside or wherever else in the world you happen to be, certainly you can chime in uh, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 641-715-3640, the code 564 Pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Grant, before I nab uh, our international folks as they hop in on the line here. Uh, also, the tech issues, man, what a year for obstacles sliding the flood aside. So this weekend, uh, I had trouble even logging in at Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, much obliged to Mr. Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network. As usual, if I ever have uh, problems with Black Talk Radio Network specifically, uh, he is generally right on the spot uh, to help me try to figure it out as best he can, which he was this time. I think we got that problem solved, or uh, pfft, not we, Mr. Reed got that problem solved. So I think that has been taken care of, but that uh, caused some disruptions uh, for at least two days over the weekend. The compensatory call in, I couldn't, I couldn't even log in. I couldn't even get the description or anything uh, posted there. I did, however, get the upload of the audio archive at our SoundCloud website, and I will be getting the audio uh, at the normal spots once you know I have time to go back uh, to backtrack to uh, kind of correct what was missed from the weekend. But that was one. We've had uh, phone obstacles uh, be in Toronto and others have written about not even being able to dial in and getting all kinds of odd messages when they do use the number uh, to call in for the broadcast, the very number that I'm using right now. Uh, the archive uh, at iTunes uh, being disrupted, uh, not being able to upload there, not even getting information as to what the problem is uh, with the uploaded iTunes. My Wi-Fi uh, was disrupted uh, last weekend. Not just a, a normal disruption, like the signal totally disappearing. It would come in for like a minute or two, disappear, come in for a minute or two, disappear. That went on for at least three, four days uh, of last week. Constant uh, disruptions. And again, all I can say, system of racism, white supremacy, that is to be expected. Anyone, I wouldn't care what you are doing if you're making an effort, uh, any sort of effort, 
to fight against racism, white supremacy, you can expect opposition, especially even if it might be. And I mean, just a little bit constructive. It's not even saying that you're doing monumental things, just stumbling in the direction of maybe this maybe could be effective and somehow working against racism, white supremacy, expect disruptions and opposition from whites and victims of racism, unfortunately. That said, uh, our folks joined us internationally. Uh, I might have missed a few. I'll have to check back to see if I need to call other folks. Uh, Andrew, are you with us, sir? Live in London? Yes. Hi, Gus. Glad to be with you. How are you doing? You okay? Uh, as well as can be expected. Right poorly, the general one, but, uh, you know, hanging in for the day. Uh, how are you, sir? Uh, I, I'm well. Just... Um, just looking forward really to this broadcast and um and uh yeah just <laughs> to be honest just really looking forward to the broadcast um you know it's been a long time coming so so yeah just looking forward just to get stuck in <laughs> amen thank you for sharing a bit of your time and energy i don't know if you celebrate or what have you i think when we spoke last you said you were um looking forward to spending time with the family of course i think a lot of folks can agree there but i don't know if you're into any of the festivities or anything such as, I think you were going to get books. Didn't you say you were getting books for the family members? Was that you? My memory bad. Well, I, I, um, a friend of mine, um, brilliant, brilliant guy called Neil Myers. Um, everybody over here has heard of him. He does these um, these these Black History calendars. So um, so so I mean they're great. So I got her one of those and uh, got her a book as well. Um, you know this book called Acts of Faith by, by, by um, uh, Van Zantz, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, you know, I, I thought that uh, as, a, as, a, as a black woman, mum may want to read it or not. Um, so I, you know, I got mum that. And, um, and uh, God, God, what else? Uh, um, you know, Kwanzaa starts tomorrow and goes on for the next few days. So, you know, um, people got Kwanzaa cards. And, you know, that's always good because it causes discussion. Um, you know, uh, and it's always interesting, those kind of discussions. Um, and, um, and that was it, you know, um, you know, um, the, the, those are the only things that I bought. Um, you know, I mean, Christmas is, <laughs> is always an interesting time because obviously people spend money that they don't have, you know, and, and, you know, people are, you know, I heard it said on the radio, people are credit rich. You know, so, um, so, so, you know, you know, so it's a funny, a funny, funny time, you know, when, uh, and, you know, I do say to people, don't buy me anything, you don't need to buy me anything, don't buy anything at all for me, you know, really just, um, just keep the money in the bank, pay your bills and, and that's it, you know, that, that is all people need to do, you know, but some people are addicted to this time of year, you know, and, uh, it's, 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 it's quite sad actually, it's worrying that people are happy to possibly put themselves into debt that they end up paying off for the next six months. Ridiculous, you know, but, but that's, uh, you know, but, you know, but that's what it is to, um, be addicted to, um, to, you know, you know, you know, lifestyle in, in white countries, you know, system of racism, white supremacy, uh, before I get to, Mr. Fox, uh, I don't know where I guess I'll ask you all as we proceed, but I know here in the States, uh, they have what they call uh, fat shaming, 
right, to, to tease and pick at you if you're overweight. Then they have holiday shaming. Uh, they have that around here tough if you, you know, are acting like you don't want to get into the, the gift giving spirit. Uh, you don't want to do a candy cane and do some caroling like, oh, man, they start to give you those call you Scrooge. They name call you and uh, they do not take kindly uh, to folks seeming like you do not want to engage in all of the white supremacist holiday activities uh, in the including the gift giving. Like, what's wrong with you? You stingy. What's wrong? You don't care about us. What's wrong with you? You don't want to get me it like, oh, man, they uh, it can get right hostile. Um Mr. Fox, longtime uh, investor, uh, has been gracious with his time and energy to upload a lot of uh, the archives to YouTube, which uh, has helped a lot of people access the content, hopefully worthy of his time and energy, and has hopped on to join us for the Global Sunday Talk, even though this is not Sunday, has jumped on to share views with us repeatedly. Always a pleasure to have him with us. Mr. Fox, are you there, sir? Good evening. Hello. Can you hear me loud and clear? Crystal, good sir. How are you this evening? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, miserable. I just want this day to end. To be honest with you. Wow. <laughs> what? Uh, what has been so so rough about the day for you? Uh, I just I cannot take Christmas. I think the older I'm getting, the more miserable I'm getting with that actual whole day, and in context of what it actually um, does support. I understand the family get together element of it but the, the present buy-in and as Andrew stated people are breaking their necks to rush out there and buy their gifts get their food all for this one day just for 24 hours and around this time of year as well you get people dying because I remember a couple of years ago where um, I think a um, either a bus or a vehicle accidentally plowed into a group of people who were you know during this time doing their christmas shopping so people do lose their lives around this time of year through rushing up and down trying to get in the last bits and the last gifts to give to their so-called loved ones so um just a day in general just annoys me but i've just um hopefully got it's over soon It'll be back to normal day on the plantation uh, by tomorrow. Kwanzaa notwithstanding, uh, it'll be back to normal. I was thinking here in the States, even Paul Ifaomi Grant, he's over your side of the pond. Uh, he's been on the program repeatedly uh, when they go out and, and brawl uh, to get gifts. Sometimes they do some killing in the gift getting, uh, in the gift purchasing, uh, I should say. Uh, I know over here uh, they frequently have brass knuckles uh, while they're in line scrapping for, for gifts. And at least once or twice every year, you'll see footage of a stampede. Somebody gets killed or ran over at the uh, at the department store. Like that's a part of uh, that's a part of all the fun of the spirit. You're supposed to go out and, you know, elbow for gifts and such. Uh, let's see. Also with us in London. Thank everyone we have with us thus far is in the UK area. Uh, longtime participant as well. And I think it was her idea about, hey, perhaps you could do it on December 25. More of us will be away from the plantation, so we could join in then. Uh, Mary, also with us from London. Are you with us, ma'am? Hi, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Glad to have you back with us. How are you doing this evening, and how has your December 25 been thus far? 
Um, it's been okay. I was actually asleep <laughs> before joining and I realized what the time was. Well, I'm apologies for disrupting your slumber. It's uh, 8 <laughs> 11 over there. And if you use the day to catch up on your rest, you constructive use of time and energy. Bravo. Did you do anything else with the day or you just took it easy? Um, took it easy. It's one of my parents' birthdays, so that's what I use this day for. Um, just to celebrate them. But um yeah, I was napping, I can't lie. Spectacular. No shame there. Uh we will not be doing three hours, so hopefully we will not tie up too much of your evening. You can get back to napping and getting your rest so you can <laughs> be strong on the plantation. Wow. Uh so these are our international folks uh, for now. If uh, other folks, certainly you're welcome if you want to dial in, if you want to ask them a question, what's going down. Uh, I was certain we, Andrew was with us a week ago when we had our half attempt with all the difficulties to do the Global Sunday talk. And we were talking about Brexit and all of that. I certainly would be curious to get uh, you all's uh, opinions uh, about the whole Brexit issue, but it's been a while at least since we've uh, chatted up Mr. Fox uh, and Mary. I feel like so many things have uh, happened in the world and in your part uh, of the world internationally. Uh, anything specifically uh, that you all think is important that you would like to make sure that we cover that's transpired over the last few months since we've talked to you, Mary, Mr. Fox? So much has happened. I don't think there's really one thing to pinpoint, to be honest with you. Um, maybe if you decide what you want to talk about, it might start a conversation. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, we heard Andrew when he was with us last week. He was giving us his thoughts on Brexit and even made several uh, predictions about Theresa May how this was going to unfold. Uh, we did kind of give uh, for our listeners, wherever they happen to be, uh, who were maybe not as familiar or haven't been paying as much attention uh, with Brexit. Uh, that's with uh, Britain saying, hey, we want to leave the union. In my view, a lot of this seemed to be tied to racism, seemed to be a lot of gripes about non-white people uh, tramping through Britain. And we don't need all of these folks here. They have too much access to our part of the world. Let's hop out of this union and we can you know, restrict some of this. That seemed to be a big part of it. Not all, but a big portion. Uh, so now they're trying to go through all of that's how Theresa May even came to be prime minister. 2016 was about Brexit. Uh, so now they're trying to go through all of the technicalities of Britain leaving the European Union. Uh, Andrew was saying that he thought Theresa May, is, this is going to end up costing her her job. She's going to be out and the conservatives are, are going to win. That's why she was trying to stall with this vote and everything uh, was to try to delay this so this doesn't blow up and end up launching her out of uh, her prime minister position. Uh, but he said he thought a lot of that was going to happen anyway. You all are right there, ground zero. Uh, for international listeners who might not be following this, uh, I guess what's your thought on this? And uh, I guess why do you think this is important related to racism, white supremacy, the controversy around Brexit, Theresa May? There, yeah, that'd be one thing I'd pick. Mary? Okay. All right. So my my response is going to be a bit long-winded, but my profession is um, is legal, okay? And about six or seven years ago, I went to a seminar on the European arrest warrant because 
um, European member states like to help each other with the um, detection of crime and the arrest of anyone that they suspect. So, say for example, someone's murdered someone in London and the person lives in Poland, they may have the ability right now to get that person back over the borders from Poland into London so that they can face justice. So one of the things that came out about the European arrest warrant that I was acutely aware of all those years ago was that basically, I already knew at that point, because this was a proposal, that the government was going to go to Europe to try and detach themselves. But at the same point in time, what they were going to attempt to do was to untangle themselves from European law altogether and untangle themselves from the the arm of the European Court of Justice and the European Court of Human Rights so that they would be self-determining. But in doing so, what they wanted to do was cherry-pick the laws that would be most favourable to this country and derogate from anything that would not be favourable. And the other... Is it 26 or 27 European states said no? If you're all in, you're all in. Um, you can't cherry pick what you want. So I already knew a while ago that what they were going to go and do wouldn't work because Europe had already said what they needed to say on that point. Uh, but most importantly, what I came to understand from it was that no one understood what the functioning roles of Europe um, were about. So when you go to for example, your typical MEP, which is uh, a minister of the European Parliament, a lot of them don't understand what the other ministers do. And a lot of them don't understand what the functions of Europe are or what the other arms are doing. So they all seem to be working, not in unison with each other, but separately. And there's very few people that understand how the whole picture comes together. So no one really understood how they were going to detach from Europe or what the effects would be. And you have to bear in mind that um, England's joining, or the UK's joining the European Union has been in, in its inception since the 60s. So you're talking about um, trying to untangle something that has been in its inception since before I was even born. And then it got basically ratified in the 90s, and then everything began to you know, this country began to become entangled in European law. So one of the things that baffled me was how were you going to untangle 40 odd years of people, of this whole amount of law and jurisdiction being untangled? How are you going to do it in 24 months? That baffled me. But most importantly, it's, Andrew's absolutely correct in terms of the fact that it was born out of racism because when um, the vote was decided and the vote was decided as being leave, you saw the visceral reaction of people on the streets telling people to go back to where they come from, etc., etc. And the vote was basically predicated on racial prejudice um, when really people didn't really think about the financial impact the legal impact of um, this country um, trying to unfurl itself from um, Europe full stop. It was, it was predicated purely on racial bias, on white people saying that they wanted their country back. I mean, I think that the cowbell should be inserted here because Cheddarman, that's all I'll say about that, them wanting their country back. But um, it was purely based on that. 
And what I'm seeing is that this being a gateway with, you could even put Windrush beside that as well, because I believe that they're going to try and find a way for even children of Caribbean um, parents that were born here. They're going to find a way to get us up out of here. And them um, taking themselves out of Europe is just a small part of them unfurling themselves away from the rest of the world. But another interesting aspect of this is that recently I was watching TV and I very seldomly do, but they were polling basically the white people to find out what they were thinking about um, the vote and, you know, however many months later, what did they think? And they kept on saying that they thought it was a massive mistake. They didn't understand the impact, um, etc. And I thought to myself, you guys can eat it. Let the chips fall where it may. There should be no second referendum on this. You decided that this is what you wanted. So this is what you shall have and you shall suffer. And the reason why I'm so staunchly behind what's happening to them and the pain that they're feeling is because it's, it's got nothing to do with black people. In terms of any decisions that have been made that affect us, we don't ever have a voice in it. It's decided for us. So we don't ever get, our voices don't count for anything. Even where we come from, my voices don't count for anything. So if you guys feel pain because you wanted us to suffer and you want to be away from us so bad, then so be it, because we don't get to decide what happens to us anyway. It's a white man's world at the end of the day. We don't, we don't have a say in our own suffering. You guys didn't think about, you didn't take a logical viewpoint and think that, we're going to suffer financially coming away from this because England has no natural resources. The, the only two um, things that make this economy work are financial services and arms. Those are the only two things that this whole country is built on. That's dealing, but arms and financial services. So if your racial prejudice and your pure hatred, which is what you guys come from anyway, make you suffer, then you should suffer. So um, Theresa May, her job, whatnot, I couldn't give a flying crap about it because at the end of the day, until we make moves that make us determine what happens to us, we'll always be at their mercy. And that includes what's happening in this country now, regardless of whether or not we are here or not. And that's my take. I'm sorry it's been so long-winded. No worries. Glad you got your rest. You could be well energized to come in and give us some uh, views on what's happening there. Uh, that is fascinating and reminded me of, I think, one of the key points that uh, Andrew raised when he spoke with us previously and gave us his uh, predictions, Theresa May's downfall and the rise of the conservatives. He said uh, that a key aspect of this was to remove uh, talking about Britain to remove themselves from judicial oversight. That was a key aspect of what he said this was about. Non-white people that are there, if they're having a problem, racism, white supremacy, and they're looking for judicial redress of grievances to report that they're being mistreated, hey, we're not in the EU anymore. You don't have uh, anyone else to go and voice that you're being abused or terrorized to try to get some intervention on your behalf because we're not in that anymore. So we have the final say about, you know, whatever's going to happen here. We have final jurisdiction, uh, jurisdiction of what's going to take place here. Uh, he thought that was a key component of this as well. Uh, Mr. And, and oh, go ahead. It, yes, ma'am. It is. Sorry, just very quickly. It is. They, they wanted to have a British Bill of Rights. I remember that, but no one knew 
what exactly this was going to contain, how this was going to work in the European framework, how anything was going to get done legally, because how would it fit in with anything else? You couldn't ask the other member states to help you with anything. And that was one of my worries when I heard that during the seminar. I still have the notes on my shelf from all those years ago. He's absolutely right. It was to do that. But I think that because there's no real sovereignty of law, you have primary and tertiary law in this country, I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't think that they can. If they do, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, I don't know. We'll see where the chips may fall. But it, it may lead to civil unrest because I don't know what you're going to do about that. Mm. Stand by your work. The, Mr. Fuller says that all the time. Uh, if that is indeed happening where this is causing confusion for other whites or they're upset uh, about some of them, they didn't think about uh, everything in advance uh, about the ramifications of leaving and all of that. Stand by your work. Uh, Mr. Fox, uh, your thoughts uh, on the, the recent controversy around Brexit, its implications for racism, white supremacy? Well, from what I've been seeing from it, because I've not been paying too much attention to it, because at times I'm due to work commitments, I don't really get much time to actually see a lot of this um, real-time news going on. But no doubt about it that the original decision was based on racism but hearing from Andrew and Mary regarding the the deeper elements regarding the judicial um, parts of it, it makes sense but I think people in this country didn't realise the financial you know, um, causes which are going to affect dropping out of Europe because we don't really produce much except for we're big on arms like China and America and you know Germany and other countries we're good on exporting arms but as in other resources no England are not um are not built for that so I actually did see some live TV a couple of weeks ago where I think they're doing a I think it might be a series I think it might have been on BBC one or BBC two and it was following um Boris Johnson, because I think he's resigned now from the position he was in. can't remember the position it was, but it had something to do with either the foreign office. He was, um can't remember his role, but I think, if I'm, if I'm not correct, that he has resigned from that post. But it was following him and how the foreign office operates and what it was doing to try and build up good relations with um, the ex-so-called um, colonial you know, provinces and um, other parts of the world to try and build up a good trade relationship due to what's going to be happening with this Brexit. And you just saw how the Foreign Office was operating. It was going over to France, trying to get up good relationships for trade. It was even going to Ghana and Mongolia. It had, um, you know, foreign offices all over the place just trying to build up some kind of a good trade relations due to what's going to be happening with this Brexit thing. But no doubt about it, it was all built on, you know, from my point of view, it was all built on racism, really. But you've seen, because you had, when it first came into effect, when you had the Polish coming over, which is about 10 years ago, or I think it could be a bit longer, but the Polish came over. You had um, the Polish and Eastern Europeans coming over. The English didn't really like them. But bearing in mind, 
you know, a lot of them are coming over, finding work, either self-employed plumbers or, you know, some cleaning or small other jobs. The English were complaining how some of them were taking their jobs, but then bearing in mind Polish and other Slavic nations which were coming over are basically white people and have came over and these people have had kids. So 10 years ago, if they came over and had kids, these kids now are now 10 years old, white, speaking in English accents, but can speak Polish or Slavic language as either their first or second language but still they're white. But I think it was based on the other groups who are not classed as white coming over here that they were thinking, you know, see you later, get back to your own country. But now they're thinking of the financial inculpations of what's happened now. People are starting to panic. But um, that's my, you know, thoughts, my slight observations on what's been going on. Mm, yikes, that is... Uh, at least to me, that is frightening. If if whites are starting to panic, uh, they generally become increasingly violent when whites panic. I could be uh, in error. That is uh, just in terms of the financial impact. It reminds me of this part of the world. I could see something very similar happening by the time, whenever it is, I think uh, our current president, Donald Trump, is going to be two terms. So whenever his time in the White House ends, I could see something very similar. Uh, what Mr. Fox and, and Mary, what you all have said, I could see that applying to whites in the uh, U.S. as we didn't realize the financial implications of having, you know, Trump in, in the White House for eight years. Um Mr. Uh, Andrew, uh, I said, gave us predictions before the most critical aspect. I should have started with that because I thought that was the most critical aspect was uh, leaving the European Union, removing judicial oversight so that non-white people do not have uh, another avenue to appeal if they are being mistreated uh, in any way. That has been removed uh, by no longer being in the union. He said that was a key component he thought of this and how it relates to racism, white supremacy predictions, uh, thinking Theresa May is going to be out. Even you mentioned Boris Johnson. Uh, I remember when he was mayor during the uh, 2011 so-called London riots after Mark Duggan was uh, summarily uh, executed. Uh, But I remember Boris Johnson, mayor at the time, was running around uh, London and wagging his fingers uh, in the face of black people out in the streets. BBC has a lot of archival footage uh, of him doing that. Uh, Andrew, are you sticking to your predictions? Uh, Theresa May's in trouble, conservatives on the rise, and this being directly related to removing judicial oversight. You sticking to your predictions, sir? <laughs> I'm not sure about conservatives on the rise, but um, yeah, but you know, you know the way the, the way Parliament seems to be structured here. You know, uh, as I understand it, you know they got uh, at the, she avoided a vote. As I say in the last time, you know, she, you know, it's probably, I'm sure it was reported in the state, you know, she avoided a vote, you know, an important vote on her plan that she published and brought back from the EU, you know, from the talks they were having over there. But she avoided a vote in Parliament about it. But, you know, sooner or later, or in January, they've got to have that vote. Um, that I'd be very surprised if that go plan goes through. You know, be very surprised about that because that's the reason why she uh, why she um, um, postponed the vote the last time. 
you know, because it was going to get, she was afraid it was going to get voted down. And politicians on in her party across the board publicly said, I mean, you know, Reese Mogg publicly said he does not support uh, his prime minister, you know, his, his, his leader. So that's going to get voted down. That is going to possibly trigger uh, possibly a vote of no confidence within the party or a, and or a, another general election. If it does one of those, then, you know, you're talking about possibly the Labour Party coming in. And then really then you, it could be from a, a second referendum or it could be um, uh, uh, effectively a second referendum. Because if you're going to, you know, because really no one, very few politicians actually actually fancy um, her plan, which means you've got to go back for a second plan or leave with no deal. If you leave with no deal, then that's going to cost this country a lot of money. I mean, it's costing this Brexit, right, which is a, which is predicated by underpinned by, by you know, you know, by racism is already costing this country loads and loads of money. I mean, isn't it funny? You know, I mean, for a long time, um, Gus, I've wondered what is the chink in racist practice? You know, what is the chink in racist practice? And what's happening in this country is so interesting because the chink in rate, what, what I'm looking at is that the chink in racist practice is racism itself. <laughs> you know, and... It's, you know, I mean, to use a metaphor, it's called cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, in other words, with all these white racists running around in this country, wanting non-whites out of the country or wanting non-white slaves, effectively, non-whites to work for next to nothing. And, you know, basically to be, you know, to be their um, to be their toilets. Right. Effectively. What is that they're costing themselves? millions every week and and that's what's going on here through lost business because uh businesses uh because of the uncertainty is you know you know a lot of businesses are not investing in expanding their businesses in the uk because they don't know which way things are going to go and that's costing the country money brilliant i love it basically <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> Yeah, it's it's brilliant. You know, I have this conversation with my some of my family, and they say to me, um, "Yeah, but you're going to suffer too." And I say, "Well, that's great. That's fine. I don't mind." Hmm. And that brings me on to a second thing. You know, I want to talk about a bit later on, and that's investing outside of the UK into Africa. You know, and and not and spread spreading your eggs, putting your eggs not not just in one UK basket. You know, but that's a, that's a whole different thing. So, 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 so it'd be, as I said before, you know, <laughs> predictions are, are, are always interesting, but it'd be, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in this country over the, you know, it, by the end of January, because we've got to have that, this country has to have that vote. So, 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 it's, so basically the, the lay of the land is going to be anything but what it currently is, you know, because it's even going to be, you know, the country's even going to be leaving with no deal or having a second referendum or, um, or or going back to Europe for another year. But that's not going to happen. So it's either going to be a second referendum or leaving with no deal. Do you know what I mean? So um, shall, shall I come in with the other things I want to talk about later, Gus? Uh, well, I was going to uh, ask a, a question about Pam. Let's let's hear one of them. Let's hear at least one of them, that you, something else you want to talk about. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, 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 um, um, well, all it was really was um, um, for the last couple of weeks anyway, um, and I heard it on another station. They were talking about um, uh, the pulling down of a of an image, uh, a statue of Mahatma Gandhi. I don't know if it's relevant oh. to the show. Where you want to go to discuss, but it is about the pulling down of a statue of Mahatma Gandhi in Ghana, mm-hmm. right? And in a Ghana in a Ghanaian university. So it's just interesting why they want why why the students did it. It's because of racist statements made by made by Mahatma Gandhi in one of his books, and also about the growing um, uh, um, uh, identity of Ghanaian young people, of Ghanaian students, which is the bit that I found quite interesting, and, and, and how they view themselves and, 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 what they, and what they wanted to do was put up statues of their own people, of African people. And I found, in, in light of the growing economies in, in Africa, whether it's northwest, east or south, I found that whole thing really, really interesting you know, in terms of self-respect um, and all of those types of things. And the fact that even though the world's had a massive recession, which, which has affected every every country, including African countries, Africa still has fast some of the fastest growing economies. So investing our money as black people, African people, on the, in that continent and moving some of our finances out of the UK, I think is really, really important. So, so becoming familiar visiting the african continent right is, is this is a brilliant time especially for especially for africans black people living in the uk to do this you know but as this economy goes down it'd be it'd be lovely to think that african economies are, are, are going up because at the end of the day i believe our seat of self-respect is on that continent if, if you know what i mean in other words um that is where most of us are as black people, as African people. So to reconnect tangibly with and invest our time and energy um, into that continent, where, you know, wherever one feels at home, it doesn't have to be West Africa, even though I know that uh, a lot of us possibly, possibly come um, from West Africa, whether it be Ghana, Nigeria, Gambia, or, you know, another part of West Africa. I, 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 think, I, I think it's an interesting time to make, to make that connection. So, yeah context of white supremacy much obliged uh for the suggestions uh number one i think that is uh a phenomenal act of black self-respect i did see that report about the uh, statue of gandhi uh being removed in west africa i think it was a Ghanaian uh university uh but absolutely i think uh the grandcestor Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, she consistently talked about the importance of black self-respect. Uh, and I think when you start to nourish and grow that black self-respect, you start to see acts like that, that you just will not tolerate things uh, that reinforce anti-blackness, that reinforce white supremacy, uh, anything uh, that is about uh minimizing or in any way uh degrading black people uh just will be will become repulsive to you put it that way i absolutely i'm glad you were able to bring that up uh and that idea for investing phenomenal suggestion uh for listeners to think about 
do some research. Uh, the number again, and we're not doing the full three hours. Uh, we'll make sure Mary is able to get back to rest uh, and other folks can recuperate or whatever else. Folks stateside, I guess it's still very early. Uh, it's not even 1 p.m. here. So folks have lots of, I guess, caroling and gift giving and whatever else to do. 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you have a question or would like to participate. Uh, I think one I've had a list of things. It's been so much. I think this might have been the first time that we've had uh, Mr. Fox, Mary, uh, Andrews before, but at least Mr. Fox and and Mary with us uh, since we had the misfortune of announcing that Pamela Evans Harris uh, passed away. Uh, I know Mr. Fox and some of the other folks here, you all have heard her on the cows, I suspect, over the years. Did any folks uh, want to get in a, a thought on the passing of Pamela Evans Harris? Um, it's, it's very sad. It's very sad and unfortunate that someone who is so important to cows is, is no longer with us. But I think that... Um, we can be encouraged and we can be thankful that she contributed in the way that she did. And she should always be remembered as being very important. Here, here. Much obliged, Mary. Uh, Mr. Fox, Andrew. Yeah, that was a, um, that was a shock to hear the news regarding that, especially when, when that news broke and then, the time of when she did die, that long absence, that was the most um, hard thing to kind of come to grips with. Like this person's been dead for a good couple of months before anyone realised that she passed away. It's deeply sad, but she's one of my favourites who's ever came onto the cows. And um, the amount of time she came on, not even as a guest, but just to con contribute to calling in and asking questions of guests was massive. And then um, we've got a huge archive of her, which would always live on. But it was a sad loss indeed. Indeed. Uh, I think she passed away February of uh, this year. And uh, I know I didn't find out until the summer. And uh, when I announced it, I think it about six months had passed uh, from the time that she passed away to when I found, I found out and was able to announce to listeners when I announced it, I think I wrote on Facebook first and then we did the program like the next day um, this summer. I didn't have anybody say, Oh yeah, I, you know, heard about that a month ago. I knew about that, you know, a long time ago. What's what's, you know, why are you all so behind? Nobody, nobody wrote that. Nobody called in and said that. So I'm to take it that nobody, uh, found out, which you know can be difficult. Did for you manage? Did you man manage to get in contact with it? Sorry to interrupt you, Goss. Did you manage to con uh, get in contact with the family at all? Or? I did. I did. After I um, posted the obituary, uh, some of the folks they went through, and because you know, obviously, had family members' names listed there, and so they just went through and were able to match uh, Facebook profiles and uh, look and see some of the pictures and. Uh, if I had not been such a victim, I would have remembered, oh, yeah, Pam and I were Facebook friends. I didn't 
She was not a big Facebook fan. I'm not either, but I at least do use Facebook regularly. I didn't get the impression that she used it a lot. So we didn't talk like message on Facebook. So I just forgot that we were friends there. So uh, that would have been the smart thing to do was just tap her page and then boop, I could have hit all of her friends the easy way. But we did it the, the long way around. And yes, I was able to uh, contact one of uh, I was able to contact one of her uh, siblings and let them know that, yes, we do have a pretty massive uh, cow's archive with her content and uh, told her we would be happy to kind of put links together if she wanted to collate all of that and all of that. So, yes, I was able to talk to her family members and they will let me know how they would like to proceed, if at all. Um, that cowbell just reminded me of something. Um, two things. One, before I forget, I sent you an email about a couple of weeks ago regarding a cowbell and Marvin Dunn. Did you get that email? I sure did. And the second time he came back on the program. Uh, so Marvin Dunn was for this. OK, Marvin Dunn, doctor. Sorry, Dr. Marvin Dunn. Sorry, so Dr. Marvin the, Dunn. Uh, yeah. no, pff, no worries, sir. <laughs> he was on the program. Uh, he's down in Florida. Uh, he was on the program right before the gubernatorial election in Florida. Ron DeSantis, white man. And uh, I forgot the black male's name. I can't believe it. It was a black male that he was running against. He did not win. That's probably contributing to why. Uh, Andrew Gillum. That's it. Andrew Gillum. Uh, the black male was heavily favored. Dr. Dunn uh, was super confident that this black male was going to win the election. when We had him on the program. And oh, yeah, he's going to win. He was planning he was going to write a book about him being the first black governor of florida and all of this and all of the polls had gillum way out in front like five percent big lead anyway we had uh dr dunn back on the program about 10 days later after gillum lost the election which i predicted was going to happen uh in that interim mr fox emailed and said hey i think we got a cowbell hill i think dr dunn is married to a white woman it's man is so much <laughs> when we had dr dunn on the program the first time i asked him from black love is a revolutionary act where she says that the number one uh thing that is keeping black people from ending racism is black males being in sexual relationships with white women i asked him if he thought this was true he said no he said that uh prison he thought that was uh the number one thing that was holding up progress in the interim mr fox emailed and said hey Dr. Dunn is married to a white woman. We got a cowbell. So we had him back on the program 10 days later. We talked about, obviously, he was incorrect. Mr. Gillum, the black male candidate, lost. Uh, we talked about that. And then I was able to say, hey, uh, we got a, a listener who said, hey, you're married to a white woman. Perhaps you are, you know, a little or a little biased uh, on this response. He had a good laugh. He responded. Uh, there was some sort of issue with getting that archive uploaded, but it is there. But yes, I got your email. And uh, yes, that got included. We were able to get him back on the program a few days later. I told oh, 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 you got him back. Oh, yeah. Where, where is this episode? How come I've missed this? It's uh, it's on SoundCloud. It's in Black Talk Radio. Wow. I think there was some sort of problem where that archive did not get inserted at Black Talk Radio Network because uh, another I think several other listeners said that they missed it. It is and it has been at SoundCloud since, you know, whenever the day it happened. But anyway, and I think also it was quick. Because once he lost the election, this was all in response to the election. The election was at the beginning of November, uh, like 
the 8th, I think. I have to look at the count, but it was like November 8th, so we had him on the next day. So it wasn't like a lot of notice and build up. Anyway, yes, he was back. I read your email to him directly. Yeah, you have to listen to the archive. It was quite Oh, yes, I see it here now. Yeah, the cows, Dr. Marvin Dunn, Florida doesn't monkey around, elects Ron DeSantis governor. Right, got you. Let me download that now to get it. (laughs) Wow, I totally missed that. Totally missed that. Thanks for confirming that. Because I know when you asked him in that episode, not the one which is um, we talk about now, the one before, about him being, um, you joked and said, um, you know, how you behave or what you're saying, you, you might be classed as being uppity by, you know, suspected racist. And he laughed about it and he said, yeah, I've been called that. And I don't know why I just thought something, thought, I looked into it a lot deeper not only being classed as uppity for his work he's done, but for it might be for something else. But when I <laughs> check his um, Facebook profile, he's he's a serial, you know, serial, um, you know, um, serial cowbells could be um, used because I think he's been married at least most probably once or twice. And he has, um, you know, children to numerous white women. So that uppity part, actually, you know, when I heard that, I just thought of um, something a lot deeper. So I've done a bit of investigating and Facebook can give you some jewels if you search, you know, long enough. Yes, it can. Absolute treasure trove. Uh, yes, much obliged for your wreath of debt. Word uppity that. Very, I was a little hesitant about using the word uppity. I thought that could have been one where he could have slammed the phone down and dipped on us. But uh, yeah, I did think that was uh, important for a lot of reasons. I was not thinking cowbell, but important for a lot of reasons. And yeah, it'll be even better to hear the second time around when all that comes up and the response to all that. Woo, Dr. Marvin, and all of that aside, uh, his book on the history of white terrorism in Florida is uh, pretty out of this world. Lots of constructive information if you are a Florida, well, really, if you're a black person, period, but especially if you live in Florida or have been to Florida. I think even Andrew has been to Florida. Orlando, he went to Disney World. Uh, You should get uh, Dr. Dunn's book, uh, The History of Anti-Black, The Beast in Florida, that's it. The Beast in Florida, History of Anti-Black Violence. Stellar. Uh, Let's see. Can I, um, say one more thing oh absolutely yeah um i think it's uh, i think andrew might know more than me on this but i've seen it come up in the news but i've not looked too deeply into it um it is topic will be on racism in sports english football um raheem sterling so i don't know if anyone else on the line has been paying attention to um you know, Raheem Sterling mentioning the racist abuse he got. I think he was was at the Chelsea game. I don't watch English Premier League football, but this came up. I saw it in the Metro, and I've been um, I've not read too much into the article, but I know that there was an incident regarding that, and I'm seeing now online about the English um, coach, the main coach Gareth Southgate, applauding Raheem Sterling, who is black and I think was born in Jamaica he's applauding him for speaking out about racism so I know that was um, something which happened I think it was either last week 
So if anyone else wants to comment on that, plus a documentary, I think two-part documentary, which came out mm-hmm. uh, in November regarding black footballers playing for England. I think it's called Out of Their Skin, hosted by Ian Wright. Cowbell for him as well. So I don't know if anyone else wants to comment on that. Wow. I'm not a soccer buff, although I think the Raheem Sterling report, I think I did see that. Uh, Andrew, did you want to respond? Or Mary? Yeah, yeah just very quickly. Um, the, yeah, they would do it. Uh, it's just the whole thing about uh, Raheem Sterling. He's, uh, as, as, as Mr. Fox said, he's uh, hails from Jamaica, as far as I understand it. And uh, he's playing for Manchester City, I think, at the moment, you know. And But he suffered racial abuse from a fan. I think it was. I mean, this is a um, a young um, black uh, footballer who got abused just because he had a tattoo, um, uh, and he he felt that you know people were saying you know why have you got a tattoo? I think it's of a gun or something like that. But um, he felt the need to come out and defend himself against these idiots. As far as I'm concerned, he shouldn't have even have bothered. <laughs> he felt the need to come out and defend himself against. Uh, People saying, "Oh, you shouldn't get have a gun tattooed on you." Blah blah blah. Yeah, I don't even think he should have bothered. That's number one. But he suffered racial abuse, I think, from some fan or something like that. Um, but um, another Premiership footballer not so long ago had a bottle—not bottle, but I think it's a plastic bottle—I think thrown at him. But this is just old stuff. I mean, this happened used to happen all the time in this country. You know, I mean, it was a regular occurrence. Um, I think what's better now is that uh, these, some of these young black players are actually talking about it as it happens. You know, they're not, uh, you know, they're not, um, uh, not talking about it, which is what some of the older footballers felt they needed to do. So, uh, you know, Cyril, uh, there's a brilliant footballer who died, I think, last year, Cyril Regis, or was it earlier this year, um, from up near you, I think, um, Mr. Fox, Brilliant footballer. I used to watch him, obviously, as a kid. Um, his generation of footballers in the 70s and early 80s felt that they couldn't, you know, that they didn't have a voice to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, all of that is what it is. Pers- uh, you know, um, again, what is good is that some of these African footballers are using their money, taking their money back home and doing things to benefit their villages and towns where they come from. Um any footballer that's any black footballer that's going to listen to this, use your money to benefit African people, you know, because <laughs> these some of these guys get paid millions in a month, and that's what you know they need to use their money constructively. At the moment, I can't say all of them are using their money constructively. Can that's- I say something? Absolutely. Can I just ask Mr. Fox really quick? What is the di- the documentary title? Is it in their skin or what? I think it's called Out of Their Skin. I downloaded it um, about three weeks ago. I think what I'll do is I'll upload it to you. No, sorry, I'll upload it to Facebook. Just give me one second. Let me get the. I swear it's Out of Their Skin. Oh, I got um, it. I got it. Yeah. Much obliged. Uh, thank you, uh, Mary, for your patience. Proceed. Okay. Um, the Raheem Sterling issue has is nothing new. They've been vilifying this poor guy for years. Down to uh, we have a, a a budget clothes shop here called Primark, 
where you can, you know, go and pick up a T-shirt for three pounds. They vilified him for shopping in Primark. Oh, you earn all of this money. You're so cheap. Why do you shop in Primark? He goes and buys himself a, a sports car. Oh, you're so flashy. Why are you buying the sports car? They compare his black girlfriend to other players' white girlfriends. So it's just been a complete attack on this guy. And down to his tattoo, he can tattoo anything he wants on his body. Just every day, they, these white journalists, white news reporters, the white media have been gunning for this guy for years. And uh, what stood out for me on the news reports of these so-called fans in inverted commas attacking him during his game is that when that was happening and they were showing the footage of it in the TV, they, they blurred out all the fans' faces. They blurred all of these white people's face out, faces out. And in amongst that group, there was a black guy just standing there, not saying anything, looking complicit. That really stood out to me. But the way that Raheem did it was very, very clever in terms of the fact that not only did he address that issue, he brought the issue out into the wider the wider context of how black players and white players are treated. So he put up two articles in his Twitter post of a black player who bought his uh, mother a house and a white player who bought his mother a house. Uh, of course, the the player, the black player who bought his mother a house, the article was, you know, seeking to denigrate him. And the white one was, of course, favourable. And that's how he brought out the differences. And alongside that, the conversation began to be, well, you're applauding me for saying these things now and pointing out the obvious, but where were you when it's been happening this whole this whole time? So, um... Raheem Sterling is just basically a metaphor for them attacking us as black people in this country anyway. And they just use him, particularly they've taken a, a, a morbid fascination to him and they've just been explicitly going after him. I mean, they tried it with, um, I think it was, um, I can't remember his name, if it's Daniel or not, Sturridge. They tried it with him years ago and he slapped that right down. He slapped the hell out of that. They they stopped gunning for him. I think they kind of know who to go after. And Raheem Sterling is very humble. He um he's very much, I think, for them a safe Negro. So they they think okay, he's fair game to to have a pop at. But some some of the players just won't have it, and they stay away from the the press. Like Sturridge stays away from the press. If it's not football related, don't bother asking him. He'll just tell you, don't ask me that. It's my personal life, don't ask me. Whereas some of them are more willing to capitulate and have a, a conversation about different things or different facets to do with their life. And um, Andrew mentioned the plastic water bottle being thrown. That was on Deli Ali on the back of his head. Um, he was attacked. And yeah, yeah, there's been other incidents yeah. of banana pills being thrown. It's, it's going back to the good old days of football when they can do all of that. But I don't think what they've reckoned on is that the, the young ones coming up now, they will fight you in this country. Some of them still need some guidance to steer them away from um, the idea of equality, which is a misnomer. And they, they need steering away from these pretend 
people who try to latch themselves onto what they think is hot and black culture. But a lot of the dialogue now is that a lot of these young guys, they will beat you into next Tuesday if you want to go down that route with them. They're less patient than the older generations where that's concerned. So um, my thing is, let them carry on with it and let's see where the apples fall from the tree. And what Andrew was saying earlier about reinvesting in Africa and the footballers reinvesting in Africa, I think is, is quite right. They should do that. I went to Africa for the first time in my life this year and I went to a notoriously unpopular country in this planet, Zimbabwe. And I'll tell you something, it's absolutely magnificent. The people are magnificent. I think all of us black people should run up in there because they feel completely forgotten. But most importantly for me, they have a fighter's mentality over there where they're not going to be um, run over. They're putting their people, especially they have a, um, a special place in their heart for their children. They cherish their children. Um, and over there, you can really make something of yourself. They're very hardworking, very hardworking people. They work for themselves. I don't think a lot of them really work for the government in, in ways like that, but they're very enterprising people. I would um, suggest if anyone hasn't been to Africa, maybe start there. I don't know if people want to start elsewhere. But I, I had designs when I came away from there of where I would like to get somewhere um, you know, as a bolt hole, if anything happens, that's the place. They're black focused. They're black centered. They have that. Remember, they've had 37 years of, of black empowerment in some shape or form through Robert Mugabe, whether or not you agree or disagree with his practices. So they're, they're less likely to show their bellies to their white masters. But yeah. I absolutely agree with Andrew in those respects, but those are just a few of my observations. Much obliged, Mary. Context of white supremacy. Uh, folks did dial in. I wanted to try to sneak in a few of our callers uh, as well. Uh, the person, I don't know if this is Rob in Wisconsin, now San Diego, or uh, someone else. Uh, let's see. Can I be heard? Robin, Wisconsin, correct. Yes, sir. You are a little low. If you could uh, speak up, that would be helpful. Oh, oh. Can you hear me clearly now? Give us another sentence. Can you hear me clearly now? Yes, that's better. Okay, so uh, I just uh, regained entry to the call, um, but I did just have a short commentary uh, surrounding the holiday. Um, as I uh, spoke last time, I told you that um, I have been in the hand of BOCs since uh, <clears throat> November 2nd. Um, I, uh, the people that I moved out here initially to stay with uh, ended up putting me out. So I was homeless for about three weeks, uh, sleeping outside, uh, beaches. Um, it actually got to the point where I was actually pitching a tent in back of my job and then getting up and going to work. Um, so I got into the shelter program and just to bring it to the current day, like the shelter program is ran by uh, churches and man, <laughs> uh, how do you say, I think Millie Fuller said it, man, if this problem 
uh, people could solve this problem overnight if they wanted to. Uh, each church has been more extravagant than the next. I'm talking about a full kitchen, um, shower, um, multiple buildings just to <laughs> prance around in, schools on site, and um, you have different volunteers coming in making uh, excellent food every night. This is probably one of the um, times, one of the better times that I've eaten in my life. Um, and so just to bring it to today, just a smorgasbord of food, um, like six, seven tables, uh, all set up, uh, fine china, however you want to say, and um, just uh, serving a lot of people. And um, for, uh, San Diego has the fourth largest homeless population in the United States. And uh, that's all I wanted to share for right now. Thanks for letting me share. Wow. Surprised uh, they haven't put you on a plane back to Wisconsin already. My goodness. Oh, oh, oh last thing, last thing. Um, so. Um, the program helped me find a place. Um, I just got approved um, to rent a room. And um, <clears throat> so I should be transitioning into that in, uh, within the next few days. The holiday is kind of slowing up the process. Um, so the comparison from Wisconsin to the uh, rent that I'm about to pay in San Diego, I was renting a two-bedroom uh, apartment for what I'm about to pay for a room, and that's it. Yep, rent is definitely higher in California compared to Wisconsin, but, you know, all things considered. Uh, are you planning on going back to Wisconsin anytime soon? Oh, not at all. Um, so even with uh, being homeless, right, this is probably the less stress that I've had in my entire life. The um, less, say that again? You said the less, I, I just didn't hear what you said. The less stress. Oh, okay. The less okay. stress I've experienced in my entire life. And uh, it's directly related to the climate change and um, the people um, are like, I'm not surrounded by a lot of black people, right? And um, even the black people that I do um, encounter, they don't carry the same um, aggression and or, um, you know, wounds that we pick up traveling under the system. Like, it's like the people are different out here. So it's like, um, I was just telling somebody at work the other day, like, um, California has presented me the opportunity to actually deal with what was actually bothering me. Like in Wisconsin, it was always something to focus, um, to put the attention somewhere else. Like, you know, you're really mad about one thing, but you can transfer it to another thing. Like here, like, there's really nothing to be mad about, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank but you. No, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> Much obliged. Don't don't ever let anyone say that 
Rob does not follow logic, uh, intelligent enough to figure out, I think I am good. I've had my fill with Wisconsin. Smart man or victim. Smart victim. Uh, and just environment. Racists, they know how to design environments. And in fact, uh, they have done studies. White people, they're not ignorant about racism. They could solve this problem today. That could be our Christmas gift. We'll just go ahead and wrap this racism thing up today. Sorry about all that. We'll cut all that cooning out. They don't want to do that. They enjoy practicing racism. And the environments, the higher the number of black people, NPR, this wasn't, you know, some radical uh, publication. National Public Radio did a study saying, oh, yeah, we know once the number of Negroes in an environment reaches a certain critical mass, I think they had it down to like the percentage. Once it's like 35% of the population is Negroes, oh, yeah, all those resources and the extravagant churches and volunteers, all of that goes in the trash. You can, you know, get you a stale Twinkie and (laughs) hope we don't lock you up and put you in jail, which is probably what they did in Wisconsin. Uh, we're not about building churches and helping you out and getting you a place. None of that. We are about jailing niggers in Wisconsin. Once the number of black people starts to drop, oh, all kinds of amenities, resources help because we know most of this is not going to niggers. The person that dialed in, I think it's Thomas in New York. Did you have comment, question, sir? Peace to all. Peace to all, Gus. Um, Merry baby cracker Jesus day, Gus. And um, to everyone else, good to hear from Rob in Wisconsin and all the people across the um, the places of the world where we're being oppressed. Um, did have a comment um, and a question. Uh, let me ask a question first. Um, when these um, racist events, I saw I saw um, footage of a soccer. I don't call it football. That's not football. That's soccer. But uh, I saw a, a soccer match where they were throwing monkeys at a black dude or a person being classified as black. And, they were throwing um, monkeys at him? One where they, <laughs> you said they threw a monkey yes. at him? <laughs> yeah, they were throwing stuffed monkeys and bananas and stuff at the brother Gus. It was it was sad. I was like, damn. And um, I saw another match where it was a similar you know thing where they were chanting something that was, that was very racist. I just wanted to know if those matches get played out on television there and do they edit anything, you know, because I think that they they do a very good job here at um, keeping white people from, um, you know, remember the Marcus Smart incident, Gus? I mean, he had to actually give an interview and explain what happened, you know, because the media certainly wasn't going to put out that the guy was standing there calling him a nigger, you know, um, they just showed him getting the guy's face, so I mean, I just wanted to know if they actually show that on the television where you could hear the racist chants or do they cut away when the when the banana pills get thrown on the field? Hello? Yes, sir. Hello? Yeah. Um, um, I'm, uh, back in the day when I was a kid, right, you could hear it, right? You could hear it. Right. Um, recently, prior, prior to Brexit, a lot of the racist chanting di- really died away. Really, with Brexit, however, as as has been said, a lot of it's come back. You know, a lot of it's come back. Not just in the UK, all over Europe and Russia, all over the um, all over Eastern Europe. 
you know, these people are racist, you know, I mean, you know, you, you know, it's, you know, and um, there's been cases where youth teams, I can't remember the detail, you know, there's one quite well-known case where a youth team that had a lot of black players in it, went, I can't remember what country they went to, um, went away and experienced all this racist chant and all the rest of it. So it's a very, it's a very common thing and it's only going to get worse. With Brexit, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, by the way, yeah, we call it football. We don't call it soccer. Right? <laughs> you know, we, you know, and this is the thing. I, I, you know, um, we kick the ball. We we play the ball with our feet. You guys, we've removed that game. You know, it's like Australian rules, rules football. You suck into each other. So, so yeah, we call it football. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Serious, you know, they, 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 um, I believe anyway, and it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what, what you guys, what you, what you guys think uh, in the UK. But my, my belief is, is that even now, yeah, I, I would say they edit a lot of it out. You know, you know that's because I mean, it, I, I, we know for a fact it's getting worse because of Brexit. You know, I would have to. Uh, sorry. I would have to agree with um, Andrew what he said regarding the editing out because um, I know they can do that during the live games, edit certain things out because I remember having a conversation with one of my uncles a couple of years ago, it can't be more than five or six years ago, but he was talking to a, a white guy at his work and he was talking about what he hears at the Manchester United games at Old Trafford and he was saying that you could hear some of the racist chanting even at Old Trafford which Manchester United is one of like the most famous clubs in England you're going to have an element of that at Chelsea because um, I think Raheem Sterling when he received his racist um, the, the re most recent racist um, incident because in the article I skim read through um, about 20 minutes ago he was saying that he does hear you know these things being said. So it's not only that time then, but, you know, when he's out on that football pitch, when you have a lot of these um, English people who um, start drinking at a very, very early time in the morning, because this is slightly divert. I remember when I was getting the early train from London to um, Manchester, and this must have been about seven o'clock in the morning, and some... English football fans got on at about seven o'clock in the morning and this game is going to start in the afternoon and they're already drinking. They're like on their third drink. So a lot of these English people, when they're in these um, grounds, they're like on their probably 10th pint and they're hyped and charged. And it's where you get a lot of this, um, a lot of this behavior, a lot of this racism, right? Supremacy being practiced. But a lot of these editing, a lot of the editing regarding what has been said at a lot of the games does get edited out because I know when people do like to rush the pictures now, like, you know, like to do like a, a streak, they don't show that on the camera no more. So if they're not showing that, I think they can do a lot of the editing regarding the noise levels and, and what is being said during these games. But I know they are doing a lot of editing. And regarding Eastern Europe, a lot of these incidences which Andrew commented on, happen in a lot of these Slavic countries and Mediterranean countries as well. You have a lot of that going on there. 
but it's just refined in England now because you had the um, British hooligan era of I think it was mid or early 70s to late 80s ICF, Chelsea and stuff I think ICF might be West Ham to be honest with you, I'm not too um, sure but you had a lot of these hooligans who had a huge element in the national front as well so um, yeah it's a, when the police cracked down on a lot of this fighting um, the hooligan fighting and stuff like that and um, it's refined itself now so you know you don't get as much of the bananas being thrown and you've seen it like what happened to John Barnes in the, you know, early eighties and late seventies and stuff like that. But it's um, totally refined itself. And, you know, the British are you know, the number ones of um, being refined regarding racism, white supremacy. Grand. Think they okay, got great. Um, my, my 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 well this is my opinion on my comment um and from um seeing what I see across the pond and uh, also seeing what I see here and um I follow um, world politics or what the United States calls uh, foreign policy uh, much more than I follow their domestic politics because that's just racism white supremacy. So I already know what to expect there, but um what I'm seeing, I like what I'm seeing. I, I personally like the Brexit. I support it. I like the um the yellow jackets or whatever they were called doing the riots in France. Boy, do they know how to riot in France, man. Woo, we need to take some lessons. And um I like what I see here from Trump. Um it seems like nationalism is uh, the worldwide um theme that they're going with and um nationalism versus globalization or globalism. And I hate globalists, so I'm for it. Um, in my opinion, Britain won't suffer from leaving the um, EU. The EU will. Um, Britain controls 40% of the world banking system, and they'll control it whether they're in the EU or not in it. Um, so I don't see too much change in there. They still control the banking in Hong Kong, Jersey, the Caribbean, etc. France and other countries, they don't control none of that. They're, they're going to have big problems, um, especially once their euro, uh, which is backed by nothing by bullets, but bullets uh, falls. I mean, I, I see this as um, a direct blow to globalists worldwide, and um, I don't know how long it's going to last, I, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I think that a lot of the propaganda that you see in the news, all the news is controlled by the globalists, so uh, that's what you're going to get is their their point of view. Um, but I, I'm liking what I'm seeing personally. And I'll be my line thinking. Much obliged. Thomas in New York. I uh, think Draftomania. Did you have a question, comment that you wanted to get in? Thank you, uh, Robin, Wisconsin. Thomas in New York, Draftomania, taking time out of your uh, I guess this is White Jesus's birthday to chime in with a question <laughs> or comment. Much obliged. Oh, good. Um, thank you, uh, Jess, and welcome. Uh, I'd like to say hello to uh, all the guests, and um, I am so grateful that I have not uh, participated in a uh, white supremacist holiday. Um, wasted my time and energy uh, to support the uh, system of white supremacy. 
I have a question for H. Fox. Uh, uh, my question is, um, Mr. Fox, I have been listening to um, Entilman uh, on your YouTube channel, and I noticed that the stop at the lat on chapter eight. Can you tell me when you will be able to upload the rest of that uh, book? Uh, I thought that book was very informative. It basically explains the whole um, uh, psychology of um, white supremacy and how uh, white supremacists and how they are uh, how, how they function and how they uh, think. Um, I think that's a, a very um, important uh, literature um, in order for uh, victims of white supremacy to understand um, the system of white supremacy. And I just wanted to throw out um, the new bill that was um, just, uh, uh, they just put out the Equality Act bill. I would encourage uh, all to um, read that bill um, to, um, you know, find out what that's all about. Um, it's basically in regards to the, um, uh, the, the uh, homosexuality um, act, how you have to basically have to um, accept um, these people no matter what um, and the impact that it could have on us as a group. Um, I would just encourage us to look into it and maybe after we, um, um, we look into it further, we can um, discuss it on, um, you know, uh, um, I'm not sure. I guess I'm contemporary uh, calling. Uh, and that's all I have. And thank you so much for allowing me to um, share. Have a great day. Much obliged, Draftomania. Uh, I guess, Mr. Fox, our question about uh, Ben Tillman, reconstruction of white supremacy. I'll get the rest of that uploaded by tomorrow. The rest of um. I think I might have four more to do, but I'll get the rest of them up by tomorrow. There you go. Much obliged. Thank you. Again, Mr. Fox, super contributor, uploading uh, many, many hours of the cows content to YouTube, helping folks access the material. Much obliged for all of your hard efforts. I hope the content is is worthy of your time and energy and the folks listening. Uh, I read Ben Tillman and the Reconstruction of White Supremacy. I did the narration for that uh, book months after days, really, after Dylan Storm Roof's terrorist attack in Charleston, South Carolina. That was uh, importantly timestamped. That was right there. Donald Trump going to be president was right there. That book. So many references to Donald Trump. Isn't that right, uh, Draftomania? That was right there. How did yes, Donald Trump become president? Right there. Right there. Just yes, that sir. It was so on point. And I was like, wow, this is like, I mean, if you if you had any any um, confusion about white people being on code and their codification, I mean, he was just raw and straight out telling you how they think. And, I, and like you said, it's like, you know, if I, I like my racist to be just blunt. You know, I would, I would rather you tell me who you are and not sugarcoat it. And that's exactly who Ben Tillman was. And you, you are exactly right. You did that book as a result of the, um, the Dylan Roof uh, situation. Very important book. You got two of them in this program. Uh, 
The Beast in Florida, A History of Anti-Black Violence, Dr. Marvin Dunn and Ben Tillman and the Reconstruction of White Supremacy, Stephen Kantrowitz, a suspected racist white man. Incident, I even asked him to be a guest on the program and he said he would and then he said he hurt his wrist and all these excuses and nonsense. Anywho, uh, we read the book, very constructive information. Anyone who was confused about Donald Trump and how that happened. You should go back and check out that book. And again, right after Dylan Stormbrew's attack, what a snapshot of the, I guess, summer of 2015 when we were reading that text. Uh, Could you repeat the book of The Beast? What was the name of that book again? The Beast? Um, what? The Beast in Florida, A History of Anti-Black Violence. That's Dr. Marvin Dunn's book on uh, the history of them terrorizing black people in Florida, basically. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, if any folks have any other final comments, questions, they need to get in. I'd said we were going to do 60 since, you know, everything, the festivities, and we are over that. But other comments, questions, folks need to get in. Sorry, quick question for you, Gus. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, do you ever do any um, looking through the comment section on both of the um, YouTube channels I have, Mr. H Fox and Mr. H Fox Channel Two? Do you ever go through the comment section on the videos, the cows videos? I have been through a few. I think there was a white or what I suspect seemed like yeah. a white woman who said something where I've I've commented. Um, I don't get too <laughs> in the comp because that can be a rabbit hole and, and fussing and fighting. But uh, I, I do try to look when I hit a, a anytime that I hit a page where an episode, I do try to look at the comments. And if somebody, especially if it's a white person that says something, I do try to respond. If it's a black person, I don't say anything. But the white people yeah. I do try to respond. Yeah. Uh, you'll get, yeah. I tell you, the most hate you get, right, is um, most hate which comes to you are the Jane Elliott videos. And that's, on the, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's on the first channel, Mr. H Fox. That's um, all of her appearances. I think she's done four appearances. That's the most hate you get on there. And then the recent hate you're getting is for the book club on the hate you give. <laughs> you're, you're catching it. You are catching it on there. The fire and sling and arrows you're getting there. Is unbelievable. I'm going to do a quick post on that on Facebook, just with a lot of the comments and what people are saying about you, especially some white people on there as well, about how you don't know how great this book is. <laughs> You've got some confused black people going, you know, black people need to wake up. This book's an eye-opener. Is this unbelievable? Yes. The comment section is, um, oh, God. At times, I just skim through it at times because, you know, I'm busy through work obligations and stuff. So the weekend is where I get the most time to do the uploading, but I can't keep on top of the comments. But I know, like, when I come in the comment section, sometimes I'll go through there now, and it's just like, yeah, you're still catching it from the hate you give. Well, I will make an effort to go through and respond to some of those comments uh, that, what? <laughs> What to say? What that is one of the most important books I think that we've done in the book club. And 
formally the worst book I've ever read. Uh, and <laughs> one of the most important that we did, uh, I was going to say this year, but in the history of the book club and from a black educator, no less, who said you should take a look at this because lots of black children are reading this in school. That was the only reason that we read that book, not because someone said it was great or the movie, just a black teacher said, you should take a look at this. This is what our children are being subjected to. Mm. I think uh, the next one is, yeah, there's a lot of hate against justice as well being on there. That's, I don't even know what to say to that at this point. I mean, for someone who's (laughs) almost 20, I mean, what is is the gripe? Like, get out of your your feelings. You're really in the past. Uh, And incidentally, I can only say today, I looked back at uh, the compensatory call and we had all the issues and such this weekend. The last sound clip that was on the compensatory call in was about a suspected racist in Portland, Oregon, which is three hours from where I am in Seattle. This uh, 60-year-old white man, who's a veteran, no less, 60-year-old white veteran took a butcher knife and threatened an 8-year-old black child and his brother. Uh, They arrested him. They didn't even charge him with hate crimes. He called them niggers and threatened them uh, with his knife and all that. Uh, They arrested him. He's out on bond, uh, what have you. And I said uh, this past Saturday, I said, that right there is why justice was on the program at 10. Now, I just said, again, he pulled a butcher knife on an 8-year-old. She was here at 10 pulled a butcher knife on him and called him a nigger and threatened his brother as well. His brother was older, let's say 15, 14, something. Uh, But that just happened this weekend. I could, you know, go through the archives and pick out those reports, you know, willy nilly. That's why justice was on the program. Uh, I know many black people had a problem with that. I'm sure racists had a problem, but that's why racists, they do not stop and say, oh, well, this is a 10 year old nigger. We won't mistreat them. No, they do the Emmett Till. They do the Ayanna Stanley Jones. They do the Tamir Rice. That's why justice was on the program. If you do not inform, educate your children about racism to the best of your, our ability, what's going to happen to them? Correct. Lots of hate taken over the years for justice. I remember that even when she first joined that. We do the yoga retreat, Tennessee, February 2010. I can definitely let folks know lots of heat taken over justice being on the program at 10. Wowee. The folks griped and griped and complained and complained. White people, non-white people. When you're going to make an effort to counter racism, uh, you are, it is not a popularity contest. Follow a lot. That's all I've ever heard Mr. Fuller say. Not stop and don't do it. If people gripe and call you names, not stop and don't do it. If people get upset or don't think what you're doing is correct, follow logic. Make an assessment based on logic about what you're doing. If it's correct, is it having a constructive impact? If it is, then you keep going. If other folks are griping and complaining, you should probably do more of it because that's just... The system we are in. Wow, the hate you give. Other, any other last comments, questions, uh, folks want to get in observations? Yes, Gus. Um, I was just going to ask you. Um, the National Museum of African American History. Um, uh, am I right in assuming that the government funds it, or is that funded solely by African Americans? Uh, I definitely uh, I would be stunned if that is funded exclusively by African-Americans. All of those national museums, I'm very certain, have some sort of federal uh, funding. 
for them being put up, especially if you're talking about the new project that they just put in Washington, D.C., like I'm very sure that's federally funded. I'm very sure that uh, a conglomerate of uh, individuals classified as black did not finance that. I would be way, way astronomically out of my mind and correct if that happened. I cannot fathom that under any circumstances. Um, the reason why I'm asking is because in London, Brixton, um, um, there is a black cultural archive, right? Now, the Black Cultural Archives has been around for, well, for about 20 years, I think, right? Now, it only, you know, there's been a new building that's just been built, probably, I think they opened about a couple of years ago. Prior to that, it was just in a another building somewhere that you had to go and find, and you could only find it if you knew it was there. Now, it's got a brand new spanking building, opened two years ago, <clears throat> in the middle of Brixton. Brixton is no longer an African an African Caribbean area, by the way. It's been totally gentrified. The government <clears throat> has just pumped in uh, uh, two hundred thousand pound to 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 basically apparently help with the work. All right. Um, in Senegal, Ghana, there's a um, I, I don't know if anyone knows this, but there's a museum of black civilizations that, are, and this is huge, a brand new massive building. That's been financed by the Chinese, right? Now, um, on the surface, on one level, I think these buildings are great. Um, I've been to the one in Brixton, obviously, quite a few times. Um, the exhibitions could be better, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's better than nothing. And it carries loads of bits and pieces from the African-Caribbean community going back 50, 60 years, right? Um, which is where the tickets, the boarding passes um, that Theresa May destroyed. That's where they should have went or somewhere similar. Um, the whole thing about foreigners funding African institutions and, and, and museums worries me because, to my mind, whoever funds these historical organizations, to my mind, can decide what goes into them. And then can really begin to um, form form you know for, form a historical um, uh, uh, past pertaining to us. I find it worrying personally. Um, I don't know what I don't know what you think. I don't know how it works in America, um, but um, and we're talking a time game, if not now, but in thirteen, fourteen, fifty years time. You know, so. I just find it really worrying when foreigners, especially China, f um, financing the Museum of Black Civilizations in Senegal. You know, it just it just tells me what is the Chinese long game. Well, I think we all know that. But, you know, I, I just find it very, very, very suspect and short sighted of Africans worldwide to accept non-African money to fund our historical organizations. I don't think that's good for our children. But, you know, I, I just want to leave it there because I know time's short. Well, according to the report online, the National Museum of African-American History, the one that's here in uh, Washington, D.C., that opened in 2016, uh, that uh, got $270 million of federal funding. And then they raised uh, more than $400 million uh, privately 
So I'm sure that came from a lot of different sources. I am certain some non-white people contributed. I am also certain that some white people contributed to that 400 million in private funds, but 270 million in federal funding. I haven't been to this uh, museum. Uh, some of the Cal's listeners have gone to the museum and have dialed in to share some of their thoughts, uh, observations on the project, what was there, what was not there, what seemed to be getting a lot of attention, uh, the casket of Emmett Till, uh, Dr. Tommy Curry, the man not black misandry, uh, what got some of the attention that was there. And it, it went to a lot of the points that you just raised. Uh, if the people that are funding these projects obviously are going to have a lot to say about what's going to be there, what's not going to be there. And exactly these museums, I seriously doubt that you're going to have, you know, Robert F. Williams pistol. I seriously doubt that you're going to have Mark Essex pistol. Uh, it's going to be the casket of Emmett Till, things of that nature. System of racism, white yep. supremacy. Yep. Same as Amina Castle. But anyway, that's a discussion for another time. Indeed. Again, if folks have been, if we have listeners who've been uh, to the museum and you have a thought or two, feel free. I know a number of folks have uh, shared, written in. I think I've read a few comments from people who've gone as well. And that the lynching museum that opened in Alabama, a big victim in Alabama, recently called in and gave uh, some of his thoughts on that as well, which is another one. Lots of lynched and castrated black males. Dr. Tommy Curry, the man not race class genre and the dilemmas of black manhood thursday 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific the book club continues thank god we are not reading the hate you give uh everybody satisfied got all their thoughts comments questions uh, i'll leave it but i was going to ask you about the shut the, the shutdown uh donald trump's uh shutdown of um how do you call it congress or is it uh not paying the state workers, but but I know time's short, uh, uh, Gus. What was the the question about the shutdown? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just how how is that going to affect African people, black people in America? You know how how is that going to affect? I mean, are a lot of African people not going to get? Because there's a there's a thing here about whether or not uh, state workers are gonna uh, are going to be paid, and are they going to be working, and who who is that going to affect? You know, are a lot of our people working for the government? In, in the UK, in London, lots of black men and women work for work for government, local government. Are you with me? So I'm wondering if people are not going to be paid, how does that affect African-American communities? You know, are a lot of our people working for the government, working for the state? That is a good question. I think... Uh, well, yes, sir, Thomas in New York. Just I was going to say really quick, uh, I do think uh, you do have, I think, in the United States, uh, there are a lot of black people that have government, what they call government jobs. Uh, I think with this, though, from what I was reading, uh, number one, I don't think every government post is going to be shutting down like the post office is not shutting down and things like that. So uh, that would be one. And two, I think it would depend on how long is this going to last in terms of the disruption? I remember when they were talking about the shutdown when President Obama was there in was that 2004, some time ago when President Obama was there and we talked about this. And I do remember some black people calling in and talking about how the shutdown that they were talking about them may impact them and the concerns that they had. I have not asked this time around, so I'll be curious to, to inquire to see. Uh, Thomas in New York, you were going to respond? Sorry, I was muted. Um, 
Yeah, funny that um um the prior the prior president shut the government down because he wanted to push DACA, which was to let the Mexicans stay and Trump wants to build a wall, so he shut it down for that. It's like um night and day. Um the blacks are highly employed by the government. What I found funny or uh, interesting about this shutdown because before they knew it was a partial shutdown, they went out and they made sure that everyone knew that the NORAD will be tracking Santa Claus. That part won't be shut down, so your kids will be able to track Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, the thing I wanted to say is um, we got the, I heard the hate and give commentary. I would love to see a movie about based off the book on Bill Tillman, on Ben Tillman. Um, <laughs> Reconstruction of white supremacy. That, now that I will go to see, without a doubt. And I'll mm. bless. Enjoy your baby cracker Jesus day, sir. I will do my best. A biopic on Ben. They could do a biopic on Ben Tillman. He had one eye. He was out leading lynch mobs. Like, that would be dramatic. Like, it wouldn't just be, you know, a staunchy historical document like a biopic on Ben Tillman, uh, I would be for it. Spike Lee. Gets a, ben. I'm, yes, yes. What a nickname. What a nickname. A Ben Tillman biopic. He was governor. He was almost uh, president. They can weave in how Clemson got founded. Biopic on Ben Tillman. I'm all for it. Um, if we have any film students, if you're looking for a project, biopic on Ben Tillman. With that, uh, we will be here Thursday at Minimum Book Club. I am looking forward. Dr. Tommy Curry's The Man Not Race Class Genre and the Dilemmas of Black Manhood. Uh, compensatory call-in on Saturday. Neutralizing Workplace Racism on Friday. Uh, we should have the folks in Sacramento, California. That's way up north from Robin, now San Diego. But folks in Sacramento talking about how they used yoga in addition to other projects to help combat, combat black infant mortality rates in Sacramento specifically. Uh, that should be coming up next or after the new year next week. Uh, but if you have uh, comments, questions, gripes, suggestions, support for the hate you give, drop an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com. Much obliged to all the folks who uh, participated, wherever you happen to be. Thomas in New York, Draftamania, uh, Rob in San Diego, Mary, Andrew, Mr. Fox. Uh, thanks, everyone, for sharing a bit of your time and energy. Seriously, I hope if folks did get some time away, you didn't have to work and all that. Replenish. If that means doing some cleaning at the residence, that is um uses of time and energy Mr. Fuller talks about doing some cleaning things that need to get done great if it's spending constructive time with people that you care about great if it's getting uh, some rest although a lot of us are sleep deprived and don't rest well great whatever you can do that is of constructive value the way we use our time and energy is important if it's taking time to research what are investment opportunities on the continent great anything of constructive value with how we use our time not celebrating tracking Santa and all of this other uh, foolishness being wise with our use of time and energy as we move into 2019. 
That is constructive counter-racism. Certainly, let's be sober. Lots of liquor flowing. They were bragging about that yesterday, the holidays, and let's go get this drink and let's go get that drink. That is not helping us at all. Uh, That's just going to make it easier for racists to continue to terrorize us. Dr. Welsing, Pamela Evans-Harris, I am sure they would say, absolutely, let's be sober. Let's take care of ourselves so we can solve this problem immediately. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled up every time we're in a vehicle, driver, passenger, anywhere we are on the road in the world. Uh, Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately Kyle signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.